just want to give you a little bit of the lay of the land for this episode here at the start. Expect some talk about pregnancy, death and dying, how these things create an experience of total loss of control, and a dash of abandonment issues. Yay! If you don't already follow us on social media, I'm a little bit biased, but I recommend it. You can actually get our mortality meme dumps that happen every Monday on Instagram. And sometimes I'll post videos, some of which connect to conversations that you hear here on the show. Why I'm talking about that right now is both to say, hey, yeah, go look up You're Going to Die on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those things. And that's how I met our guest. And I've been following them for quite a while now. I don't know how long. And I love just paying attention for the compulsion suddenly to say, this would be cool maybe if we talked. And that's as simply as I can put how Caroline came into my life. I will say most recently some news that we talk about in this episode about her pregnancy, the way she shared about it on social media really accented the, yes, definitely, let's go, let's talk about this. And and especially as a parent, let's talk about the ways we bring life into the world, connect to our mortality and the eventuality of our death and dying in super intense ways, but maybe even generally in the like loss of identity, the way that we live through deaths all the time. And especially when we bring a new life into the world, how much it changes who we are and how we relate to everything that's that's my nutshell experience of uh, being a parent. And, oh, by the way, this is Ned Buskirk. Welcome to You're Going to Die, the podcast. Caroline Lee has spent 30-some years in her body, which currently resides in Oakland, California, where she is in her final months of a somatic psychology program at CIIS to become a licensed therapist. She is currently a therapist at the Center for Somatic Psychotherapy in San Francisco, works as a death doula, and lives with her 80-year-old housemate, Judith. Caroline is passionate about psychedelic-assisted therapy, educating others about all things death and dying, and trying to reimagine what it means to do life together like the good little Aquarius that she is. And by the way, commonly, I'm feeling this lately, we barely get into all the things we could possibly talk about. And I expect in the next year or so, to have guests back that have been on the show before so we can dig deeper into some of these topics, including the topic of psychedelic-assisted therapy, especially at the end of life. We don't actually talk a lot about that, but it's also something to come more and more of, I'm sure, with Caroline's work as she becomes a licensed therapist. So that's just a little side note. The, oh my gosh, there's so many things to cover and we only have an hour. Let's see what we can fit in. And of course, always the access point for me is really where you at right now. And so I love how Caroline really meets me there in that way. And I hope you enjoy it too in this episode of You're Going to Die the Podcast with Caroline Lee. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm great. Um, I'm great. I I love I love this entry point of birth and death being connected and similar. And um, you're the first person that's really kind of asked me about that. And I even just already feel like teary in my eyes because to me, they're so connected. And to me, you know, I want to ask you so many questions because you're also a deathy person and a parent already, which is incredible. But for me, I have been present for many births and deaths, and they are so similar. There's this, this, it's sort of like hanging out at this like existential doorway where it's like, what's about to happen? And the person who's coming or going is having this, I mean, it's, it's like a, it's, it's like this transformation. And when we're 
when we're watching someone give birth, we're welcoming this being into a body and into the room and into the world. And it's, I mean, there's lots of emotions, like you said, even, even grief, um, is, is present for birth, which we may not talk about as, as, you know, as one of the things that's at the top of the list that we're like, oh, obviously there's grief involved in birth, but there is, if we actually sat with it, mm-hmm. there is. Um, I mean, I, you know, I'll say like, uh, I know just cause I asked my wife or, you know, I, I don't mean to act like I understand what you're saying. I kind of want to know maybe more specifically what you, what that is. Maybe the beginning yeah. is that like, how, how did you feel with this most recent post announcing this news? How was grief present then? And sorry to cut you off because mm. I feel like you were headed towards something already. But I was both wanting <laughs> to be like, I don't know. I didn't have the I didn't have the babies. Yeah. Um, but I feel <laughs> what you're saying is true. You know. Well, I'm, thank you. I'm glad you do. Um, I will say, I think that when it comes to grief, grief really, the more I work, the more I work as a death doula, the more I work as a therapist, the more I work in psychedelic assisted therapy, grief is this thing. And I I will also say bodies, because I think bodies are a major part of the tying together of everything that I do. And this kind of question of, I'm in a body for question mark number of days. How can I have a relationship with this vessel that I'm living in? What is it, what is it saying to me? How, what is it teaching me about? How is it experiencing the world? And my body's intelligence is completely different than my brain's intelligence. I could hand my brain a bag of spinach and it wouldn't do anything with it, but I can hand my body a bag of spinach and it can turn it into energy and break down all of these juicy things to keep me alive and going. And then it can like poop out the rest. And my brain would be like, I have no idea. I literally don't know how to do that. So I just think my body's intelligence is this fascinating thing that I only started to really think about and consider probably when I was like almost 30 years old, Mm -hmm. because I grew up in the U S in a female body in the Midwest, which is very, it's so beautiful and down to earth. And so like, I love it. It's incredible. And it's not like we're sitting around caring deeply about our bodies and how can we take care of them and what are they saying to us? So I think I'm on a tangent already, but well, what I, I want to just say- on that one? Well, yeah, go ahead. Wait, because I keep feeling like you're just about to get to the what I, I want to say. I can hold these. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking okay, notes. Okay, take notes. Take notes of what to say. <laughs> um, so anyway, so I think that grief, grief is this giant thing that we we feel, but we don't, acknowledge that we feel it very often. And when we feel it, we often go and feel it alone because it's so big and it's so dense that we don't actually know how to process it with each other or even by ourselves. So I think grief is often very lonely. It's isolating. I think that sometimes people can validate grief and go like, oh, well, your mom died two weeks ago. So that makes sense. But then after a certain number of weeks or months, it's kind of like, what's wrong with you? That should, you should be good now. Mm -hmm. You should be fine. And then there are the more subtle things that people grieve. For example, maybe something to do with birth. Maybe it's an identity. Maybe it's, oh, I don't, I don't have the freedom and the agency to do whatever I want, whenever I want anymore. And now I have to consider this other being. Now I, now my finances are considering this other being. Now my relationship choices are considering this other being. And maybe there's a grief in that. Mm. And it doesn't have to mean, it doesn't have to be so binary, so black and white about like, oh, I have grief. Therefore I don't want to be a mother or something like that. It's not so binary. There's so much gray There's so much texture and nuance. Um, And so I think, yeah, so grief is a huge, huge thing that I love to to bring into any of the work that I do. And and the thing that I find the most with people when I'm working with them is that when there's an invitation to acknowledge the grief that they're already holding, their bodies have so much to say. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I could talk on that for well. Well, seven I got years. notes on the body <laughs> stuff because I feel like it'll be cool. important to go back to 
you know, 30 year old you, or, you know, when, when you were, when you were suddenly thinking, geez, the body, like, what have I, I'm just been culturally what, for whatever reasons. And, and as a male, and also someone who tends to be so like head heart through the head, kind of like very mental about so much, even my feelings and my grief, I don't have, and I'm feeling the need more to make room, even as an organization for the body work, the, the letting go of, of so much of what we need to articulate and feel, but also put down through our body and our breath. And so I do want to, I'm, that is noted. I know we're going to cover that. So that's just bookmarked for now. Great. <laughs> Here I have four other bookmarks from the last five, <laughs> five minutes I'm going to go pick from. Um, well, I think it'd be really special, Caroline, to hear you talk about this new news and, and maybe even the moment of uh, like maybe a version of what you posted. Um, I'm feeling emotional because you're tearing up knowing that's always like that's the thing. For me, you know, when the tears there, it's like, we're close to truth. Let's stay there. Um, so I kind of want to do that briefly, if that's okay. Um, I don't want you to feel like you're like, so the video, what happened was, you know, but I guess that's <laughs> I sort of. To pee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe actually that, that is a great way, a great way in. Starting with the body, you needed to pee. Yeah, tell me what, how this all went down. And then, and then maybe you could, or, highlight the like, here's where grief was there. Here's where joy was there. Here's was, you know, what was all that? What comes up for me when I think about life and death and how they're so, so, so connected and so similar is that we love to have this idea that we have some control and some, we love to have this idea that we're like, oh yeah, and I can I can flip a switch and then it will happen or then it won't happen. And um, I was even reading a quote last night. Like it was like Bob Marley's last words to his son as he was dying was like, money can't buy you life. Like you, it doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter. These richest people on the planet are still going to die. And I think, I think that the, the flip side of that coin is the richest people on the planet also struggled with fertility sometimes and it's just we don't we don't get to say we don't so when it comes to me and my journey with now being almost 14 weeks pregnant is that um i'm 37 and i was married for 14 years and didn't have kids with my former husband. And when we got divorced, I was like, okay, mm -hmm. is it time for me to freeze my eggs? Like I'm in my mid thirties. Um, you know, I really, I really want to be a mom and I've known that my whole life, but like time is a thing. And so I thought about freezing my eggs. I did the research. And as I really felt into it in my own body, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Like if it's meant to be for me to carry my own child in my body. I'm going to trust that it's going to happen. Mm. And if it's not, I'm also going to, as we said, oh grieve. Yeah. I'm going to let myself grieve it. It'll be a thing I don't, I never get to experience, but I will love whoever and whatever comes into my life in that way. Mm -hmm. And it was a really conscious decision. Like I'm not going to do this. And then, um, and then I met someone and we both, one of the, like the third time that our third date, it was like, we started talking about kids and he was like, oh, I'm, I'm totally ready to be a parent. And I've really wanted that. And I was like, no way. And I'm pretty sure that was like, I was like, okay, hang on, like delete every other phone number in my phone. Like we, we need <laughs> yeah, to slow down here. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so we ended up, we were together for like, a, a year and a half, we were like deep in planning, processing, you know, we were in therapy together. We did couples therapy for like eight months. Just like, we want to do this well. We really want to be intentional. We want to know each other. We want to support each other. We were you, really were you like doing the therapy just as like, let's just do that. That's healthy. Or were there stuff coming up already in these early months or year of the, the <laughs> relationship where you're like, let's get ahead of <laughs> some of these things. <laughs> That's a great question. I would say, I would say a little bit of both. I would say we're both like, I, you know, we both work in mental health. And so both of us were like, just have such a value with mm. support and yeah. 
And understanding that sometimes someone else facilitating and asking questions and slowing us down is going to be something that really sets us up in the future to understand each other. And we also knew that like, because I think, you know, when we went in and started with our therapist, it was like, we want to start a family together next year. And so we want to have a really strong foundation. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, so that was all happening and everything was, you know, great. And I moved to the Bay because I'm finishing a degree and I'm doing my practicum in San Francisco. And so that was complicated. And worth acknowledging the degree that you're finishing probably. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Can you. you share that with the listeners so they get this, like <laughs> yeah. the body, we're holding the body, you know? We're holding the body. It's a, it's a master's in somatic psychology. So um, I'm working as a therapist um, at the Center for Somatic Psychotherapy in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And um, I will eventually be a licensed therapist, uh, which I want to pair with my death work to do a lot of psychedelic assisted therapy. Pretty oh, much. Oh, gosh. Is Jeez, we're gonna, there's not going to be enough time for everything. All right. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Great. Okay. So I'll make the pregnancy story faster. We got to speed it up. Speed it up. There's a lot to do. Okay. So. My part, my partner and I were deep in it. We're like, you know, doing the therapy thing. We're, we're, we like, we originally had set a month that we were like, okay, this is the month that we think we're going to, we're going to try. We're going to start trying. And then as we got closer, it was like the logistics of life and finances and everything else. We were like, "Mm, it's a no, it's a no. And so talk about grief. I I definitely had like my day of I'm crying my eyes out and I'm like, is it ever going to happen? And Mm -hmm. what if it never happens? And, um, and you know, he was great with that really supportive, really present. And then let's see, I'm trying to think of probably six, we, we reset a date. We were sort of like, okay, it's not now it's, you know, March, of this year, as in two months ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh and so I was like, I was like, all right, all right, it's going to be March. Okay. Okay. And, and then I'll have the baby right at the end of school and it'll be perfect and everything will be great. But I'm still 37 and have no idea if I can even mm-hmm. get pregnant. I've never yeah. been pregnant in my life. This is brand new. I have no idea. So I'm going along with like intentions, um, I started, I did like blood work with a naturopath to check my body. I did, I was like taking my prenatals and I was like going to acupuncture, telling my acupuncturist, like make, help my body know that I want to get pregnant soon. Okay. So then <laughs> we're in February and I become aware of the fact that my partner is also, is, is again, like we're, we're back at a not ready point. We're back at a like, okay, it's not going to be March. And I'm like, interesting. When are we talking? Wait, like not like a not, we're both feeling now maybe that we're not ready or just feeling like the window's closed. And so this is not the time. Mm, more like it's not now. We just need to put it off in the future. I see. Got it. So I have my own moment of like, oh, oh, I'm freaking out. And I'm like, okay, if this keeps happening, I'm our, you know, like I'm 37. We're uh, now I'm giving birth when I'm 38, 39, like, oh my gosh, like it's getting the, the window's getting smaller and smaller. So things get, you know, intense and we decide that we're going to pause on our relationship. And, um, I started to explore being a single mother on my own. And I was talking, I have friends in the Bay who've done this. There's actually this incredible woman who started a commune. She like bought a house and has, she's like a powerhouse woman with, who works in tech. And she was like, I have this vision for women to be able to have families and raise their families without needing to find a air quotes, perfect partner to wait until, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to wait. I want this family. So she bought this house and they share like a nanny and a chef and it's this whole thing. And so I'm like deep in research, like, okay, pivot. We're going to pivot. We're like, I still want this, but if he's not ready, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame him. I'm just not that that's, that's what's happening. So this is, so I guess we, we ended our partnership in February. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And then I definitely I didn't didn't have a sense for some of this this part. Well, I'm so glad we're talking I about it. I haven't me? talked about it. <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah. sorry. Keep going. No, no, I love it. So, um, so we ended it. We ended things in February. I'm deep in research of like, what am I doing? What am I doing during this process? He's we're still like we still love each other. We're still like best friends. He knows what's up. He knows that I'm like really mm-hmm. look. He's like. 
he's like, I know you well enough to know that if you say you're going to do something, it's going to happen. So I'm, I'm just very aware that this is the thing that you're going to make happen. Mm. And I was like, we don't know that. I've mm. never been pregnant before. Mm-hmm. So he comes up to the, he drives up to the bay and we're, we go like go out for dinner one night and he's like, I want you to know that I want you to count on me as support. Even if we don't have kids together, like I want you to think of me as someone who's going to support you because I know that you're going to do this. And I know that you're going to be an incredible mom. And I was like, wow, that's really sweet. I really appreciate that. So that was on a Saturday. A couple days go by. A couple of those days being the days that I would normally start my cycle. It's a full moon. I always, you know, I'm a full mooner. My body Mm -hmm. and the full moon are like locked, locked in. The full moon comes and I think, huh, that's interesting. And so I say to my former partner who I'm still actually physically with because he Uh had come up to the bay. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, this strange thing is happening in my body. And he's just like, you're pregnant. Oh my gosh. And I was like, 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 when did I get pregnant? And he's like, probably the weekend we broke up. And I was like, stop. No. So I start freaking out. I don't believe him. I'm like, that's not possible. Mm. That's not possible. And he's like, you're totally pregnant. And Mm. I was like, how, how? So he goes and gets a pregnancy test. And I mean, he so knows like, you're I, in denial. I mean, are you, you're just yeah, like, no way. I'm in this shock. Is not, are you kidding? Yeah, right. I'm in shock. I'm like, he knows. no freaking <laughs> oh way. Oh my gosh. No freaking way. Like we just ended, we, pay, we basically just ended our relationship because of, we were like not ready to right. do this. Yeah, of course. Meanwhile, I've been communicating with my body for the past few months, like get ready, get ready, get ready, mm-hmm. get ready. So anyway. Yep. That's, that's how it happened. And so when, so he's, he literally, even though we had broken up, he was with me, went to get the pregnancy test, told me I was pregnant. I was like, I don't believe you. Then I, then that's why he's the one who took the video of me laughing and crying because Uh, I'm like so excited. So like, this is what I've wanted for Mm. years. Didn't even know that this could happen. Mm -hmm. Didn't know my body could even do this. Mm. And Oh my God, like mm-hmm. this beautiful person that we just ended our relationship because we're not on the same page about this. And oh my it, like it was, so that's my very long story about how I got it's pregnant. Perfect. I'm so glad to hear all that. <laughs> but there, but there's so much grief in it and yeah. there's so much joy in it. And it's so fucking messy. And I think, oh, am I allowed to swear on the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, please do. <laughs> it's messy. And I think that that's, that's the thing is that Life is messy. Death is messy. Yeah. The details are not, we can't, we don't control them. And of course, yes, are there things like scheduled C-sections? Sure. Mm-hmm. Are there things like medical aid and dying? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Does that like, are, does that mean all the circumstances are still right. in your control? Absolutely not. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. There mm-hmm. is, there is so little that we actually get to control. So yeah. that's my that's, That's my great. I'm so glad on. to get that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad to get that story. I'm so, I, I guess there is this like specifically, you know, now that I know the story, the tears may make sense in like the exhaustion, you know, of, of getting to that moment, the, like you said, the shock and then the acceptance or the integration of the news. Um, but, but I'm for sure feeling the, like, you know, I guess it's like joyful and sweet that he was with you and that it all came to, to be in that way. And like, you're feeling grief maybe in that moment too, that, that this baby has come out of an unfolding of loss, you know, or, or endings. Um, but it, that it may be too, like part of what I love is that Caroline, you're sharing this and shared it online vulnerably and visibly And also the point of that is not because you have it all figured out yet or that you're even clear on what what the grief is really, you know, in all the ways it weaves through the joy and, and, and awe and, and ecstasy of life, you know, um, like you're still willing to talk through this moment that's hugely important and naturally is connected to death and dying and grief because that's just life, right? These moments of just beauty and blossoming and their connection to like what is lost or will be lost eventually, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I love what you said about how I'm still, I'm still willing to talk about things when they're, when they're not figured out yet. And I think that is, 
that is something that I'm not good at. So thank you for seeing me try to do it. Because you what don't I, think you're good at that? <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. Well, I'm trying to be. Well, I trying. just wonder. You, maybe I keep cutting you off, but I'm. But I want to emphasize that as also a way of seeing you on social media be someone who's pretty visible and and honest. Um, but where? How does that maybe not connect to you thinking of yourself as someone who does that kind of naturally? Well, I'm, I'm working on it because okay. I think that what I would call it is like non-closure and I'm using like air quotes around it, like non-closure. <laughs> yes, like listeners. we love, we love bows on everything. We mm. love, and mm. I, when I say we, oh, I'm talking I, about, I love being like, oh, here, like, oh, this was really hard in my life, but mm. here's how it ended up really good. Or yeah. like, oh, this tragedy in the world or like, oh, this atrocity that happened. But here's the silver lining. Yeah. And we love being able to create meaning. We humans love to make mm -hmm. meaning. Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm trying to hang out in and your former uh, guest, Bio Akomalafe, mm -hmm. who is one of my true lights on the planet of someone that I just look to and how he teaches and speaks. And he talks about this so much in, in the way that he writes and, and talks about just like this idea that, you know, like justice is even a thing, like the, the planet is angled towards justice and like everything will work out. And he's kind of like, mm, no, <laughs> that's not true. And I, and so I think that that, that my, my, um, curiosity and interest in non-closure is just a spinoff of what he talks about. It's just me saying like, what if it's not always with yeah. a bow on top? Yeah. What if well, it's then, messy and we don't know where it's going to go? And what if I don't know if my partner and I are going to stay together and raise the baby together? What if I have no idea? What if, what if we have no idea? What if I'm four, 13 weeks pregnant and what if I don't carry full term? I don't know. Right, I don't right. know. And so I'm trying to be in that gray. I'm trying to be in the granular, like, Ooh, this is dense and juicy and kind of complicated and complex. Mm. But if I slow down enough to be in it, then I can be honest with myself about what's actually happening. Yeah. And then I get to let myself feel what's actually happening instead mm -hmm. of just like letting my, my busyness kind of like pick up my phone and open another app and go from one lunch date to the next because I'm just trying not to notice that it's actually uncomfortable to not know. Did you know that you could support this podcast by becoming a part of our community on Patreon? That's right. It's true. For as little as $1 a month, think about it this way. Would you, after experiencing the time you've shared with me here, want to buy me a coffee and sit down with me to hang out? Maybe two coffees. Well, an easy way to do that in a kind of metaphor, I guess, is by going to patreon.com and committing $1 a month, a minimum of $1 a month. And that addition uh, or the math of that uh, multiplied by 12 months equals $12. And that's about two cups of coffee, depending on where you live. If you're living in San Francisco, it's half a cup of coffee. But anyway, that'll be your way and, and our way of being together, like we're having coffee. And every time I see your $1 come through, It'll be a reminder that we're together sipping our hot drink and being in community. Is it worth it? Is what you've experienced here or why you keep coming back worth going to Patreon and becoming a new patron? Please do. And per usual, even easier is to go into your app, whatever way you're listening to this podcast and take the five seconds it takes to rate and review the show. I cannot tell you enough how much that matters for helping the podcast get out into the world and get more and more listeners. So if you're going to do that right now, thank you so much in advance. And if you've done it already, thank you so much for doing that. If you're like, well, what else can I do? Send the show to a friend. If this meant anything to you at all, 
take one second to copy the link from this episode and send it over to a friend. And if you're happy with what we're doing here at You're Going to Die, you can just tell people, hey, check out You're Going to Die. Google You're Going to Die. Find us on social media. It's real easy to connect up and we're doing a lot that can be connected to, including a lot of things online. We're a 501c3 nonprofit, by the way, so all these things that you do support more of what we do in the world. You know, I feel like maybe I'm realizing that when you talk about C-sections scheduled and um, choosing how and when we're going to die because we can do it, you know, in certain circumstances, you might you might be sharing those examples as a way of articulating your inclination to have control. Not that it's, you know, something I share with you and many people share with you, but it sounds like and I wonder I should ask, is that part of part of your experiences that you're used to ha- needing control, having things scheduled, having things set and planned. And this part of your life has put you right in the center of not being able to do that as much as you've been able to. And then I wonder too, with your work, like I feel the things that are a part of me that I, that I want to like let go of or put down or practice the con, you know, the, the opposite of, I guess you're going to die and the work I do with this organization forces me to do that regularly. And so I wonder sometimes for someone like you, is your work maybe even a, a version of that, like some, some kind of medicine you get in doing this work to deal with that part of you that you're like, this is, I need to like let go more, or I don't know. Does any of that resonate? Yeah. You're calling me out. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. are you doing this work because you have a problem that you well, need to I, fix? By like, yep, yep. In fairness, my way to do that is being like, that's me too. That's me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're the, we're <laughs> and I love that. And I love that. I'm high fiving you from over okay, here. Okay, like, we yes, do it. Solidarity, because it's true. I think, and and I think that's the true rub in in like a in a really beautiful way. It's this. It's this invitation as humans to get closer to, I'm going to just keep referencing bio. I'm just his little like yeah, lemming do over it. here. You know, I, I'm the um, same way. I love him, you know, obviously. <laughs> but he talks about like getting close to the crack, like yeah. where's the crack and like, what is that all about? And there's so much learning and density and juicy juice there. And so for me, Death, I mean, I have some real abandonment stuff. And death is like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, baby. You know, I mean, it's these demons are part of what have us in the world. You know, like I feel like Joseph Campbell, I reference a lot Mm -hmm. as saying some version of, you know, there's a way. And and I just want to acknowledge like the hero's journey may be good for its time and maybe new versions of it are needed. And I I have mad love and respect for Joseph Campbell and his work, you know, that's part of the lineage of of uh, these kinds of conversations. But one thing I really reference a lot in a way to like make myself probably feel better about these demons. But like you said, the abandonment issues, these are things we've somehow, instead of only having them have a suffering in the world, they're somehow also responsible for the powerful way that we're here. And, And I feel like you're acknowledging a version of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. I I really feel you there. I think it's the, it's the wounded healer. It's the, it's the shadow parts. It's, and it's the the courage, honestly, to say like, Hmm, this is, this is my, this is my rub. This Mm -hmm. is the thing that's got a lot of charge to it for me, but rather than run from it or rather than use all kinds of different vices to try to pretend that I don't have this rub, I'm going to get curious and and slow down and be with this thing that actually kind of terrifies me. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you're that you see that in me because mm. you do it too. Yeah, that's all. So, hello yeah. mirror. Hello. That's beautiful. <laughs> um and yeah, for sure death death for me like I love thinking that I know what's going on. Mm. I love being like, okay, I got it. Like I got my Google docs mm-hmm. and I got my calendar and everything's all like totally set. And I have like 82 alarms set throughout the day and I'm never <laughs> late and everything's good. Yes. But then, but then like these things, like this existential doorway that I'm talking about with birth and with death, which is really kind of like, you know, P.S. It's what we're doing. That's, <laughs> that's what we're doing here. All the other stuff is like weird capitalism that's made up. Thank you. 
the life thing that we're doing really is thank the thing. you for that. Mm, yeah. I yeah. really mean that. Thanks for that. Oh. And I really mean it that the 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 thing that's super made up is is the time and the game and the like the productivity and the wealth and that like that is not what we're doing here. That is a game that got made up on top of what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And and so I really just want to to deconstruct that and to sit down with the things that are like, okay, okay. Like I've sat with people who are so ready to die and it takes days and days and we and sometimes weeks and you know, they're sitting there and and there's a there's a common way that a lot of people who are really ready to die will choose um at the end, which is called V said or um voluntary stopping eating and drinking. And a lot of people who aren't in the death space have never even heard of that because it's not anything that we talk about. But basically someone is so ready to die and there's nothing else that can be done to heal them or even make them, you know, they're feel good. Like at this point, they're just feeling miserable and mm-hmm. they're ready to, ready to die. And they will choose that. And even that, even that choosing something that they know how it's going to end up, they still don't know when it's coming. There's still no clarity. There's still no, you know, it can take anywhere from two days to 10 days. And they're just sitting there waiting. And I think that waiting and is that is the crack that Bio talks about. That waiting is the reminder to me, Caroline, the girl who loves to have control and to feel like I know what's happening and when it's happening. That is the moment where I find out I'm pregnant and it's the thing I wanted so badly, but it's so outside of what I thought was going to happen or how it was going to happen. Yeah, that's a bridge. That's the bridge. Yeah. And that's what I, that's how I feel. And Mm. so I hang out, I hang out with the crack. I hang out with the bridge. Mm -hmm. I get close to the thing where I hate abandonment, but people are leaving, leaving me all the time (laughs) when they're dying. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Totally. Oh my gosh. I never thought about that. I chose a work. That's it. I mean, it's funny as I felt about it, but I haven't, I haven't had someone say I've chosen mainly to work with people who definitely are going to leave me constantly. I mean, even sometimes you think about people that come to our organization with grief, you know, it's like, if it's working, they shouldn't stay here. They have these like super intimate, deeply emotional, precious, connecting, like belonging. And, and I'm getting that too. And then it's like the session's over and I never see them again or, you know, and, and the dying, especially, right. That's so good to have you put it that way. I feel really seen, seen <laughs> in I'm those so words. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. I want to, so I want to go back to um, I, I, first of all, I love, I feel like the bridge right there, I said this already, but I do want to just highlight that, you know, this, these ways there's dying and the baby coming, you know, like it's that existential doorway. Mm-hmm. It's right yeah. there. It's yeah. right there. And the way you've been in life, the, everything you've been committed to, all the work you've been doing, the relationship reality, you know, it's like this baby. And I, and I want to acknowledge to talk about saying, be, talk about choosing to be visible and not knowing what's to come. I mean, 14 weeks is early. I'm not like, I just want to say it's a, it I'm you're used to, and understandably people just holding that information in real close to the chest. Um, because, right. Because, 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 and so I, I feel very moved and, and it, and refreshing is not a powerful enough word to say like, your willingness to, to share this visibly right now, you know, at this stage it is, it feels significant in that way. Like it also holds like, I, I'm pregnant right now, you know, who knows yeah, the, what's, what's true right now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what was true for me is that even if I miscarry and this baby doesn't make it in a body on this planet, I'm going to talk about it Absolutely, because it's grief yeah. and it's death. And so I, I would rather so share. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish that was part of our culture. I wish that there was more space and, and normalcy to be like, Oh, one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage. Mm. And there are people grieving this ache and this loss everywhere. Some of my dearest friends having multiple miscarriages. Seems more than ever. It seems, I don't know statistically yes. what's true, but I hear that. 
you know, it's, it's, it's wild. It's wild. And don't even get me started about capitalism and our bodies and how our bodies are not okay. Because even things like testosterone levels are going down 1% a year, a year. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. So in 50 years is, are we just like not going to be able to have (laughs) kids anymore? Like it's not, it's not good. No, it's not good. And you mean, I mean, you hear these stories and often fiction, you know, but, but inspired by, I think facts, around what we're facing now in, in health and, and, and in our bodies in, in this world, and especially maybe in certain countries like ours, um, infant mortality, I think being higher than, uh, you know, I don't know the statistic enough to pull it from the air, but you know, it's like, how is that possible? You know? Yeah. And yeah. so I also want to acknowledge any listener who, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to acknowledge any listener who, wouldn't be inclined to share on social media like you and I might be and, and feel the power of that. Like I think you do. And, and, and I relate to even just to know that there's community you go to or friends and family you go to where you can be visible early and know that you're saying it because of all the things to include them in the beautiful magic, you know, and everybody has their own, you know, obviously way of being in the world with these things, but to encourage people to, to think about it, like you want someone close to you, no matter what, you know, you want to have people surround you and know no matter what happens, um, both to hold you, in the worst case scenario and to like, um, hold you up in, in the celebration of, of this new life. And, and so, um, really appreciating a moment to like invite, invite that or encourage that or highlight that possibility. Um, and it's something else to be as visible as you are on social media in that way and know how much it matters. You know, part of why we're talking is because of that. Um, the way you use your visibility online, to highlight these very unique, like personal experiences of yours, but that other people, I'm sure you're, you, you have this experience uh, uh, with your work on social media, especially, but people being like, thank you for saying that. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I, a lot of people do say thank you. And, uh, like fun fact, there's a flip side. Like I lost 700 followers the day that I announced I'm I'm pregnant. 700 in one day. Wait, why do you think that happened? Well, I mean, I've definitely had my hypotheses about it. I think I think some of it might have to do around what we've talked about with grief. I think there's a lot of people experiencing infertility and that it's really it's Oh really my goodness, painful. yeah, that's real. Yeah. Um and I think that, you know, again because we don't really make space for the grief that it it doesn't necessarily feel for these for a lot of people like it's possible to exist in a place that where there's both celebration and grief happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. Um, one of my friends was like, it's all the guys who thought they had a chance with you who are giving up. <laughs> I mean, sorry, I you're pretty, really- <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you have a sexy presence online. So you can see people Thank being you. like, fuck this. I'm out. She's unavailable. <laughs> I don't want a well, baby. <laughs> hilarious. Like, yeah. They're like, I wanted her, not the baby. Exactly. Exactly. Um, amazing. I mean, well, that was I, I'm sorry. That's a good, that's an important theory, but, <laughs> but more, maybe more potent based on what we've shared so far, the, the likelihood of people feeling grief because of what they're dealing with in their own. Yeah. Fertility and, you know, yeah. Which, and I want to make space for that. Like it, it didn't act. It's not like I lost sleep over it, but I was yeah. like, wow, I, 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 mean, I, I wish there was have a- that reaction. <laughs> Yeah. I wish there was a way to do an exit interview and be like, can yeah. you just quickly give me some feedback on like what you're Instagram. experiencing in your personal life? The Instagram, so are understand. you listening? We're going to need you to create that <laughs> questionnaire. Exit interview? Yeah. So you're leaving this account because why? And you, and you know, I mean, it, it's sweet in the ways that we have abandonment issues <laughs> that we would be like, what the fuck? Fine. Fine. Um, okay. Go. Okay. We have 20 minutes to cover uh, your That's life it. story. So I want to get, Great. I want, um, here's the two things I want to um, make some room for in the last 22 minutes. Okay. I want to talk about 30 year old you, maybe the one that was like body work, but also the one that was like death and what, you know, I, I, I always often say, I want to avoid the, like, here's the canned answer that I have to share of why I started doing death work. I want it to be meaningful for you here with me now. 
it matters to me because I think it's important for people, like you said, the meaning makers that we are to hear people like you say, here's the like heartbreak or grief or trauma that really led to me being here. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think those two things are the important, like, where are you, which is like your work with death and dying and the especially work with body and and maybe psychedelics speaking of like letting go and, and creating loss of control in the healthiest of ways. Um, so that's, that, that's the, that's the thing. And then in a way I mentioned the psychedelics is that like, maybe it connects to the beginning, your origin story, um, to make room that we also talk at least some about your work with that in terms of ther- somatic therapy. And so those two topics, and then also anything you want to make sure we touch on that we haven't already. And I'm loving everything Great. so far, Caroline, because I think it matters to, it means a lot to me to have like bio was on the, on that. He'd not talked about, I don't think his father's death. Like we got to, I love that this show makes room for that. And I feel like this pregnancy is your version of that. I hope you're feeling good about talking about it with me and hopefully, you know, then good about sharing it with others. Cause it matters. It means so much to me to have that as a way into you and what you're up to. So thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's, um, I am someone who is happy to really share and to be as vulnerable and honest as I possibly can be knowing that there are going to be things that I don't say or things that come across in ways that don't feel completely authentic to some people. Um, and that's something that, you know, post divorce, like social media wasn't around when I got married. Um, and then it, then it, came into being while I was married. And it was definitely like a a sticky transition because I was like, Oh, look at how I like being online. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my former husband was like, wow, I'm very private and this does not feel good. Um, and so then that was something that I started to incorporate almost as like a, um, almost as like a, thing that I would share early on. If I was dating someone, I would Mm. be like, so here's something you need to know about me. That's cool. I am very honest. I'm very open. You don't have to participate in that, but you have to know that this is who you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be, I'm like, I'm not going to change that just because I'm dating you. I cannot talk about you. So, um, my partner is someone who is very supportive of me sharing. And even though he doesn't and is very, and he is very private. He's very, very supportive. So yeah. it's not like I sit here and go, Oh, how is he going to feel that I told her like, yeah, this it's, story? It's that, clear. Yeah. He's, he's totally, totally supportive. So are you and partners again? Yeah. <laughs> I like how you just kind of snuck. It definitely just got snuck in right then, well, <laughs> which is yeah. cool. Great. That's amazing. I heard well, you say it. Like, I was like, I want to make sure we stop here. Cause any listeners out there saying like, wait a sec, did she say partner? So cool. That's awesome. Well, it's the, it's this thing that we've talked about. Cause we, we didn't do it. We didn't just like get back together immediately and yeah. go like, well, that's easy. We mm. went like, Oh, sure. interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, that like one of the, the, one of the main reasons that we ended our partnership was not because we don't love each other and do, don't want the same, like, and now the thing that we weren't mm-hmm. sure about is here. Yeah. yeah so, the answer. Yeah. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. Right. Totally. Right. So, you know, but even then non-closure, mm-hmm. I don't know where it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, not look, it's not looking the way I <laughs> thought it right. would. So <laughs> it's like pregnancy, uh, some version of that, like we're together now, you know, and, yeah. and clearly it doesn't always stay that way. Um, but, but clearly. sweet and, yeah. and congratulations, uh, you know, on this like new stage, whatever it brings. And I just feel like you said, you being someone who is maybe efficient or at least, um, very intentional about making meaning out of these things, even as you practice being in like, I don't have closure yet. I don't know how to make sense of this. So, um, so let's go back to like one of the first versions of that. Mm-hmm. How, how, how do you feel like the work you do in the world is making meaning out of whatever happened to you 20, 30, I don't know, years ago. Mm. So I, uh, am the oldest of six kids. Um, I was born in Washington, DC, but then grew up for most of my childhood in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And, um, 
so I grew up in very conservative, mm-hmm. like the conservative Midwest, um, grew up doing the church thing, lots of um, really strong teachings around what life and death were and almost like the narrative of kind of, there's nothing to grieve about death because we're going to go somewhere better. So it's like when we die, it's like, yay, because that person isn't suffering right. anymore and what they're in a better place. And we're going to see them. like death and dying grief, really. If you're like, we're just, it's, you know, it's a door. Exactly. See you on and the other and side. so right. that, that was something that, um, that I grew up with. And then as I got older and, and started sitting with it a little bit more and started noticing like, oh, some of these people who are supposed to be celebrating death when it happens because it doesn't hurt, like it's actually hurting. Um, there is grief there, but there's no space for it. There's no community support for these people to be allowed to grieve because there's kind of the spiritual bypassing that's happening that's saying, you shouldn't grieve because you're going to see them again. And it's all, it's all great. Everything's great. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm the one watching going, yeah, but there's a very real felt loss and abandonment even, and a missing and a longing. And even if you are, even if you, even if you believe that you're going to see someone again, there's still the immediate shift that isn't the way that it was. And that transition, that change, that loss, that is worth being able to feel mm-hmm. and to be with. So that was kind of my initial entry point into like, what is death and and how does that work? But me being the oldest of six kids and me being someone who really likes to have a sense of knowing what's going to happen, um, I was having a normal day um, in, in my brain, the way that it, it works, where I was like, huh, I wonder if something happened to one of us what would we do? Because we're all so different. Mm. And I think if something happened to one of my siblings, we would all just sort of stare at each other and question like, what would, what did they want? Mm. Like, what, what do we do with their bodies? Did they want, like, even my mom and dad don't even see eye to eye. My, my dad doesn't want to be cremated. My mom does. There's like this whole thing of like, well, whoever goes first gets to decide. Like it's this, you know, but they, they don't even have the same, you know, value systems around that. And so I'm like, okay, my, me and my five siblings are all so different. Mm. The range from conservative to super liberal. Like, so I just thought, oh gosh, if something happened to one of us suddenly, because we don't know when we're going to die, there would just be confusion. And I would love to make space for us to be able to just grieve Mm. rather than guess Mm -hmm. and try to figure this out. So how old were you? Like, when did this kind of like start dawning on you? This was like five years ago. Okay. It was like early Uh thirties. Yeah. And so, um, I sent a group text to my siblings as you do. And it was just like, Hey guys, like when we're together this summer, can we do some end of life planning? Yes, Caroline. Normal. Super, super awesome. So common. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be together for the holidays. Um, By the way, (laughs) any of us could die any moment. So let's talk about (laughs) end of life. Thank you for understanding me. Thank you. That's how how it worked. (laughs) So I sent this group text and was like, so maybe we can like make some old fashions and talk about death. Yeah. And um, I think my sister was the first one to respond and she was like, LOL, okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but we did it. They actually cool. did it. We did it. And mm. that was, um, that's cool. That was so, so pivotal mm-hmm. for me in my, in just even my own, like, Oh, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. And getting this giant document to sit down and think through things. And some of the questions were like, you know, what do you want done with your social media when you die? Or like, is mm-hmm. there anyone you don't want to be with you when you die? Mm-hmm. Not just who do you want, but are there people that are like, if they show up and they want to be in the room that someone is like, sorry, you're literally one of the people that's not supposed to be mm-hmm. here. Those sorts of things, um, I think really do give people a sense of agency. And, and again, it's not about control, but the feeling that you want to have while something that's happening that might be really challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, I, a couple of weeks ago, I went to meet with a woman in San Francisco who um, was using medical aid and dying. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was really close to death, but in a, a lot of excruciating pain. Mm-hmm. And she had chosen to get um, a, the prescription, which would allow her to choose when she was going to die. And so I went and sat with her and we were talking through what her, what the day was going to be like. And, and, you know, her husband was sitting with her in bed and 
it was a beautiful, just very tender, tender time. But we talked about what time of day would you like it to be? And her husband said, well, I don't want it to be the morning because I don't, I don't want it to be right when we wake up. Like, I don't want to be anxious about it all night. Mm. Like I want it, I want to have some of the day with you. And, and then I said, you know, do you want music playing? Do you, is there any music that you'd really like? And these are sort of things that as a death doula, I get to sit with people and sort of give them a time and a space to imagine what it might be like and to have fears and have emotions come up. Of course mm. there are emotions coming up in that time. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, both of them, they're talking about one of them leaving their body. They've been together for 30 years. It's incredibly tender. And so to have people in your life, whether it's someone that you know, a family member, a friend, or someone that you hire, mm-hmm. like a death doula or a therapist, who can handle that? Mm. Who can say, I'm right here. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going anywhere. I can ask you some of the questions and we can slow down and be with these things, mm-hmm. you know, and I see, I see so much emotion coming up on your face and then I, I want, <laughs> I want to slow down and be with what's coming up for you. But I also just want to, to just share that what comes up is that is us doing life together. Mm-hmm. That is us making space for mm-hmm. the stuff that we, we just don't when we're, when we're racing from one thing to the next and one milestone in our career or whatever else that it is, like we miss this. We miss the, oh, I actually looked in your eyes and I I connected with you and got to share. We're doing this thing mm-hmm. and it's a wild mystery and it's actually really hard, but I'm with you. I'm, and you can feel me and I can feel you. If you want to connect to Caroline, just go to Instagram, which is how I connected to Caroline at How Caroline Carolines. You can also go to their death work handle at death.ed underscore. Of course, per usual, I'll put those links in the show notes and also support Caroline in the world by going to at How Caroline Carolines on Venmo. Again, I'll link you up to all the things, including their website. And right now, everybody, uh, Nick Janus said that he was traveling on the road, so I should do this alone, and I refused. And so, Nick, can you hear me? Nick? <laughs> Nick, are you there? Feels like the olden days. Nick, Nick, can you hear me? Nick, are you there? I'm willing to keep trying. I will not give up on you. Hello, Nick, can you hear me? He's driving, and I think one of my fears is that this will result in him crashing, um, which I which I just, I can't, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> Jana, can you hear me? Are you stressed? Is this fun? I'm having fun. Are you, are you having fun? This is going to be the end, actually, just us trying to get you to connect. Uh <laughs> And and you're never gonna actually connect. Hello. Yeah. Oh. Woo! Okay. This is gonna be so fun for you to edit. I've been recording the whole time, Nick. Nick Jana. <laughs> Nick Jana, how are you? We got connected, baby. Oh, hi. Hi, you're on the road. Where are you? I'm in Kansas. Nice. Austin is Sinclair gas station. How are you doing? Big round building probably has hay in it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like I'm fully satisfied. Like I don't even need to talk. Like I'm just glad we got connected. You're in the closing. We, we made it happen. Okay. And well, I don't want, I don't want you to we'll see you next time. <laughs> next in your, in your ears. Cheers. <laughs> my beers. Nick Jana, how are you relating to your mortality on the road? Is death coming up for you at all? <laughs> I was feeling a little worried that you'd crash the car while we tried to connect, which probably would get this episode a lot of airplay, but also I'm glad you're safe right now and I don't want you to crash. Well, you know, I, I'm doing these two services where often I'm asking people about their ancestors or right. moments when they were close to death. And, um, mm. you know, at times I've had people at the table who've known each other for like 20 years. And mm-hmm. somebody will share something 
about an ancestor, about a moment close to death. And their, their friend of 20 years will be like, I never knew that. Oh, <laughs> and wow. I, it's, you know, it's like functions as a really cool way for me to get deep with people immediately. But it's also been connecting people who already know each other really well. And it's like, well, yeah, of course. Like, how often do you feel like there's a window for you to say, oh, by the way, I never told you uh, my grandfather was like the leader of the revolution in Jordan. And uh, when my mother goes to airports, the security guards salute her because they see her name on the passport and uh, her father is her hero, you know? Mm, <laughs> it's like, yeah. how often do you just feel like I can mention that at a party or something, you know? Right. But it comes up in these discussions and I'm so grateful for getting to know them and then these these people getting to know their friends, you know? Yeah. You've talked about the podcast being a version of that, which is how I'm connecting to what you're sharing now, how you'll have friends be guests on the show. And that's how you'll find out things that you've never asked about, or there was never a moment to, to make room for, um, and, and feeling the like ancestor, clearly the content is connected to like dying or, or death or ancestors, but also, um, what an important thing, like, you know, I feel to make room for, cause we just so often don't have the space to talk about that stuff and feeling your, your tea service is a place for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, just today I was thinking, you know, I think of like, what is the number one best question to go really deep with a, a table full of strangers within the first five minutes of meeting them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is my goal. It's not to like freak anyone right. out Quick or get anyone to share something to them. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think about the way that you say you're like, how are you at the beginning of podcasts? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, af- after an introduction of like, here's what I, what our organization does and all this stuff, you know, there's that like, how, how are you? <laughs> and I've yeah. heard you like a hundred times, like, uh, you know, craft that three word question as like, purposefully and like delicately and intimately, you know, like, how are you? <laughs> yeah, really. really <laughs> and I've been really, wondering really, if, yeah. <laughs> if that would work for me in these situations. And I was thinking of trying it tonight, uh, you know, cause you're basically at what people think is a show. Um, and you have those kind of filters on, you're just like, I'm an audience member and I, yeah. nobody's going to ask me anything, you know? Right. And to like kind of break through that and just be like you, stranger who just came to this thing you don't know what it is Mm. how are you doing tell me what's up (laughs) yeah do you Um, think you would do that like highlight like an audience member and just give them the stage well everyone i mean i would ask it it, right because it's such a small group it's like Uh fewer than 10 people at my shows so right there's a chance for that yeah um and uh i've just been thinking about that today because normally it's been like tell me about your ancestors tell me about a moment you almost died tell me about a profound moment in nature but i was like do I need all that? Or could I just say like, how are you? But make it yeah. clear <laughs> or, you know, give the answer first, which you also do of just like, here's what I mean. Here's a That's sample right. answer of, you know, that feels important. Um, yeah. Yeah. And as a performer and as someone who knows the space that you're curating and, and facilitating, it feels like that would be needed, you know, so that the invitation when the ask is, is, is put forth the context or what's possible is made clear. And and it's so fun that we're talking about this right now, almost accidentally, because this episode is definitely a version of that. And sometimes I think, oh man, like people want it, like one person commented way back when, when we had one of the hospice nurses on, Nurse Penny or um, one of one of those guests, someone said, I, I can't believe no one talked about hospice, you know, what, what like that's why, <laughs> and it's like, well, I get it. And that's not, my favorite access point to this conversation. You can go find out all about all that stuff from them because they've talked about it endlessly and all the versions of it are online on social media. But what is the thing right now we can to kind of deepen in together with? And this episode is a really kind of a strong version of that since mostly Caroline and I talk about her pregnancy and, and then how it connects to the death and dying and, and grief and, and I almost feel like the format of the show is starting to be the, how are you? Let's kind of be real mortals together in, in vulnerable ways, real and raw. And then later we can talk about like the logistics of the album you're working on or the, the, the death doula work that you do. And, and I, I like this podcast because it kind of offers that. Yeah. And that for the most part, that information is out there. I mean, 
Yeah. You know, like if there's like a comedian you love and you listen to a bunch of interviews, it's like every interview is like, so how, tell me how you got on Saturday Night Live. You exactly. Know, like, right. You can recite the story because you know it already. It's like, yeah, let's get past that. Like we yeah, established yeah. that. It's in the <laughs> yeah. canon. Like let's, let's just be in the moment. You know? Yeah. And I get it. Like I said, I said at the beginning of this episode, you're here. <laughs> I'm very interested in, uh, you know, psychotherapy, you know, psychedelic therapy and, and the end of life, the value of it at, at the end of life. And we barely talk about that. I mean, I don't, even, I don't even know if you'll be able to edit and leave any of that in, uh, in, in this final draft, but, um, maybe later. And I think I said this also in the episode, the possibility of bringing guests back to kind of deepen into some of these topics is, is available and, and likely we yeah. will, but I love this episode because it's a version of what you're hoping tonight happens, you know, where it's like, yeah. really like, what's your heart feeling? Like, how are you doing? And by the way, you're going to die and your lineage is coming in the door behind you. <laughs> like, let all of that emphasize the possibility with your answer. Yeah. <laughs> in my um, case it's like i think your guests are a little more prepared for that in yeah. my case at times people are walking in just because someone said you should go to this you're thing right, it's weird but like, right. i don't know what it is you know you're right and they're gonna walk in and be like okay so you're gonna die and how are you <laughs> so now you need to talk and like, we're all gonna listen yeah i thought this was a concert i'm sorry <laughs> yeah i feel oh, yeah. like most are the concert but like most our events of are that, course. especially the workshops lately. It's like, oh, you came to engage creatively with your mortality. Well, now it's time to share and burst into tears in front of all of us. Um, yeah. Well, good luck with that, Nick. I'm so glad we connected. I just wanted yeah. to try and I'm glad it worked out. Thanks for making it happen. Drive safe. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Until right. next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. 